0: Welcome to the KetoCamp podcast. This week's quote comes from Thomas DeLauer Gluconeogenesis is demand driven, not supply driven. What is up, Keto Campers? I'm excited to share an amazing human being, Thomas DeLauer. If you've been following keto and fasting over the years, then you know who Thomas DeLauer is. He has an amazing YouTube channel where he breaks down very masterfully how to follow keto, fasting, and so much more. He's a great resource out there, and he's doing amazing work. On this episode, he's gonna break down a few things. First, he's gonna start off by talking about Keto for women, keto for women who have PCOS, keto for women who are thinking about getting pregnant, who are pregnant, keto and the thyroid, what happens there when T3 drops down, TSH goes up, he breaks it all down really well. He's also going to explain how he used to believe that too much protein will will create gluconeogenesis, and then he discovered that gluconeogenesis is demand-driven, not supply-driven, so he talks about that. And then he gets into his 10 commandments of keto. That was my favorite part from this episode. He breaks down one through 10. So he's gonna share that at the end of this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. So make sure you listen until the end. These are great 10 commandments for anybody following keto and wants to get long-term results. And I know that you. Here on the Keto Camp YouTube channel, we are committed to bringing three brand new episodes every single week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I want to thank you so much for choosing the Keto Camp Podcast. I am so grateful for you. If you haven't left a review for the Keto Camp Podcast, please do so on Apple iTunes. It really makes a big difference for the show. This episode of the Keto Camp Podcast is sponsored by my favorite coffee bean, Purity Coffee Bean. If you head over to ketocampcoffee.com, you could get 10% off your Purity Coffee Beans. I get three bags delivered to my door every single month. These beans are high in antioxidants, they are mold-free, and they taste so damn good. Head over to KetoCampCoffee.com, use KetoCamp at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your
1: coffee beans. Let's get into this episode with Thomas DeLauer. All right, now let's talk about keto for women. So this is a big one. So keto for women, It's is it different than for men? Ultimately, I think the color, the, how we adjust our macros and everything like that really doesn't need to shift a whole, whole lot. There's just different things that you need to be aware of. The reason that I bring up PCOS is because it has a direct correlation with pregnancy. It has a direct correlation with issues that women face even if they don't realize it. PCOS is just a big, glaring problem that we, we notice. And there was a study that took a look at the keto diet with PCOS, and I found that really the big issue is the hyperinsulinemia. So when you have a lot of insulin because you're consuming a bunch of carbs, your insulin levels are high, a lot of times that is what contributes to PCOS in the first place, because it increases the androgen secretion from the ovaries. So it basically makes it so uh, the woman has almost too much male hormones coming out that's throwing things totally awry. So women with PCOS tend to have higher levels of insulin and elevated levels of insulin cause the ovaries to produce more androgens. Androgens are what give us male characteristics as men. So insulin also decreases the production of sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG. So in this case, it's a glycoprotein that prevents testosterone from freely entering cells. Men, we want, we want less SHBG. Women, you want a little bit more, okay? Men, we don't want our testosterone bound up by sex hormone binding globulin. We want our testosterone to be free and running around and allowing us to be men and allowing us to build muscle. Women don't want to have free testosterone. They need a small amount because it's all a counterbalance, but what happens with PCOS is they end up having these lower levels of SHBG that make it so that they have too much free testosterone, ultimately too much in the way of androgens. So that causes, that's what causes the fatigue. That's what causes the mood swings that are associated with PCOS. And these problems that women deal with, not only with PCOS, but just with any typical uh, menstruation or anything like that, it's going to be, those are the things that actually trigger even the hot flashes, and if you feel like you're happy, then you're sad. It's a real thing, and it has to do with, again, those hormones and those androgens. So the hormonal imbalance involves too much luteinizing hormone, uh, Spare the details there. But basically, what that ultimately comes down to is, the ketogenic diet has made it so those symptoms are significantly less, and the study, did it, actually, the details there, I might be missing the slide there that actually said it, but ultimately it was a pretty small study. It was like 11 people and they took 11 people with PCOS. They found 10 of them ended up having huge, huge, huge improvements and five of the 11 women that were in that study ended up actually getting pregnant during the study. And people with PCOS have a hard time getting pregnant, very hard time getting pregnant. So the fact that even in the course of a short study, like almost half of the women ended up just getting pregnant because they were probably actively trying. So that's the big thing and I'll come back to that. So keto and pregnancy is huge. But then we talk about menopause too. A woman's ovaries are the source of estrogen and progesterone and this is the kind of the key thing when we're talking about uh, going through menopause and big hormonal shifts. So that's gonna control the reproductive system. So two other hormones involved are the luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone and that's gonna regulate those progesterone, uh, progesterone, estrogen and testosterone. So when we have follicle-stimulating hormone produ- uh, producing the estrogen and causing the release of the eggs, that's how everything kind of starts. So when that process finally stops, you can imagine there's a hormonal cascade that throws everything off. Um, the main problem, of course, uh, high being insulin-resistant, which sets off the other hormonal cascade. So this study, chronic inflammation can increase during menopause, so it's critical to take steps to reduce it. This is where keto comes in, again, with the anti-inflammatory effects. So BHB blocks what's called the NLRP3 inflammasome, which is an immune system receptor that's directly linked with inflammation. And when you look at menstruation, you look at uh, going through menopause in general, we have big surges, or I shouldn't say we do, but women have big surges of inflammation anyway, and it's directly linked with those. So the NLRP3 inflammasome reacts quickly to these threats and helps it out. Um, keto, again, anti-inflammatory. So we're, we haven't figured out exactly how the keto diet can affect the brain when it comes down to menopause, but we can figure out what's happening indirectly and treat the issue. Most of the weight gain and most of the fatigue that comes with menopause is inflammation related. Okay? Inflammation is simply your body's immune system being on hyperdrive when you don't know it. Imagine having the flu, but not knowing you have the flu because you just have it at a really low grade. That is essentially what's happening when you have inflammation. It's, and someone had a, a doctor that I know gave a really good example. If you have a cold, if you erase the fact that you have a stuffy nose and a sore throat, you don't feel clear in the mind, right? You don't feel good. Like your brain doesn't feel clear. That's a perfect example of inflammation in the brain. If you erase the other symptoms, that's what inflammation feels like. You're sick, so you have that. So you never feel clear and good. So that's what's happening to a small degree when you go through menopause is you have this happening. So we're treating that part. Now when we look at the brain, um, we have estrogen receptors in the the body and women have them in the brain. Men have them too, but women obviously have a lot more. Uh, So it ends up leaving the brain cells a lot more vulnerable as a woman goes through menopause. So utilizing ketones rather than glucose for fuel provides that steady clean energy that ends up helping out a whole lot. Um, And then of course we talk about pregnancy for a little bit which I kind of touched on already, but I'll, I'll touch on this briefly. So a lot of times when women are pregnant, I get this question a lot, should they go keto, should they stay keto, should they rotate carbs in and out? Um, there's not a whole lot of conclusive research on it yet, but my personal opinion on it is that a little bit of glucose is important for a proper fetus development, I really do think so, because you know we're building something, not just maintaining it. But once you get into the second and third trimester, like a lot of times the female is going to be naturally in a ketogenic state anyway, it's just because the fetus is robbing her body of so much. I shouldn't say robbing, but um, maybe not. They'd rob when they go to college, but not when... Uh, no, they rob it. So that's, that's kind of what we're getting at here is the woman is already getting into keto. And Case in point, like I said earlier, your body's already producing glucose, and gluconeogenesis, creating glucose from proteins, it's all demand-driven. If the body needs it or the fetus needs it, it's going to create it. It's going to, so as long as calories are sufficient, that fetus is going to get what it needs. Now, in the early stages, it might be wise to keep your glucose up a little bit, but second and third trimester, like I know a lot of pregnant women and women that have had babies that end up going keto, like second and third trimester, and have like, insanely healthy babies, and I'd say my baby's one of them. Um, Okay, now I wanna talk about the thyroid for a little bit, and I know, I don't even have a whole, whole lot of time, but fortunately, we've got the panel after this, so there's gonna be definitely good opportunities for questions. So, this study, metabolism, clinical and experimental, so another study by Volex, so looked at the effects of a six-week keto diet on uh, total and regional body composition, the relationship with fasting hormone concentration, so 12 healthy, normal-weight men switched from their habitual diet, and I know this study looked at men, but it's, the same crosses over for women with thyroid. Um, to a carbohydrate-restricted diet. Basically, one went keto, one didn't. Eight men served as controls, consuming the normal diet. Fat mass was significantly decreased. Lean body mass significantly increased. There was a significant decrease in serum insulin and an increase in total thyroxine. And the free T4 index and T3 was not directly measured, but there was no significant change. Again, I'm skimming it fast. What that meant is that T4 actually upregulated and T3 didn't change. So T4 upregulated, meaning that there was going to essentially be more T3. So this study took a look at keto and said, okay, there's no change to the thyroid. If anything, there's a positive effect on the thyroid. And again, it all comes down to the individual. There's a lot of different pieces here. Uh, But low T3 levels are actually associated with a longer lifespan. So we don't necessarily have to hate the fact that our T3 could get lower. It doesn't really mean a whole, whole lot. Okay, lower levels of T3 means the body is not getting taxed as hard. If you're fasting, your thyroid levels are going to be low while you're fasting. Like there's no denying that. But when you break your fast, your thyroid levels are going to upregulate. And they found in the age of 50 years, participants that had low to normal thyroid function live up to three and a half years longer overall and 3.1 years longer without cardiovascular disease. there are some benefits to having a little bit less thyroid function at that point in time. So it's all again about modulation. Periods of fasting, you're gonna reduce T3, okay? But as long as T4 isn't really changing and TSH isn't skyrocketing, your thyroid stimulating hormone, you're in a good spot. Like, because that is telling you that even if at this point in time, your T3 is low, your T4 is going to bring it back up at some point in time. Now here's the interesting thing. This is what I really wanna make a solid point with. You'll often hear that carbs increase T3, but in actuality, the thyroid increases T3 production to deal with the glucose. So this is like the big one here because keto is not destroying your thyroid. What is happening is when you consume glucose, your thyroid has to upregulate T3 in order to only deal with the glucose. It has nothing to do with the rest of your metabolism or fat burning, okay? It's like you have a certain amount of your thyroid hormone that is allocated specifically to deal with glucose. Okay, so utilizing that knowledge, think about this for a second. When you consume carbs, your thyroid has to ramp up T3, which means if you can go get your blood work tested, your doctor's gonna say, hey, guess what? Your th- uh, T3 is nice and high. Uh, Your thyroid's in good shape. Well, is it really? You don't know because a vast majority of that thyroid hormone that was measured is literally just there to metabolize and help you even deal with the carbs in the first place. So you don't know what your real number is until you get the carbs out of the equation. So going keto, if you do see a decline, you're just seeing what your real number is and you're leaving more of your thyroid capable to deal with metabolism versus actually having to just metabolize sugar. Does that all make sense? Because that's a really big point. Because you are actually, even if your number goes down, your thyroid is actually getting more effective. And that's what it's all about, doing the most with the least. Um, that kind of goes on the same thing. This was actually this is kind of the other side of that study. Oh, that's why I was like, wait a minute. OK. I do want to talk about this just for just a second. And this is going to be the one that I really want to say for the panel. It's going to be talking about training in a ketogenic state. Um, I talked about this a little bit in the VIP room when I did the VIP breakout, but basically, when you're on a ketogenic diet, you have a really unique ability to become what's called dual fueled, okay? You have the ability to utilize carbohydrates and fat at the same point in time. And you're basically putting yourself in a really cool state to be able to be more efficient, especially after you're fat adapted for maybe eight weeks, 10 weeks, to be able to utilize ketones through your endurance work, but then, utilize carbs when you're actually weight training. And I mean utilizing carbs as in the carbs that are stored in your body, not carbs you're consuming. So when people first start the keto diet, they're not there yet. So they feel this decline in performance and they throw in the towel. They say, I'm going keto, All of a sudden my endurance improved, but I'm not able to weight train anymore. I feel like I'm weak. Well, yeah, you will be weak for six or eight weeks. You will be significantly weaker, but if you give yourself an opportunity to be fat adapted, the science is now showing that the mitochondria just develops the ability to actually utilize those fats. And one other thing I wanna touch on with that is now there's science that shows that once you are fat adapted, the body can take those fats that you consume and break them down into free fatty acids and not even have to go through the liver to convert them into ketones to be used by skeletal muscle. What that means is, normally you eat fats, goes to the liver, the liver turns those fats into ketones, those ketones get used by the cell, a little bit of a drawn out process. Now we're finding that once you are fat adapted, meaning if you stick with it, if you can stick with it for three months and be really strict, if you can stick with it even two or three months, what's gonna happen is your muscle cells are going to develop the ability to utilize free fatty acids directly and doesn't even have to go through the ketone process. So what that could mean is when you're measuring your ketones, you might find that your ketone levels even drop because your body is downregulating the need for it. Your body's down-regulating, I don't need to produce as much ketones because now my muscle cells can use pure fat, which, well, fatty acids, but again. So that's pretty awesome stuff. Technically I'm out of time, so I'm gonna skip through some of this stuff because I wanna give you my 10 commandments really quick and you guys are gonna have to bum rush me off stage. So, all right, so first one is thou shall not hate carbs. Your body still needs them. And that's the thing I talked about, right? Like, doesn't mean you have to eat them, but don't hate on the carbs, okay? That's really important to be a mature keto person, all right? Otherwise, Lane Norton's gonna attack you. Um, Two, thou shall not rely only on MCTs. I love MCT oil, but I see a lot of people like, that just consume a ton of it. And this is a, a big thing because if you just only consume that and you don't get a broad spectrum of fats, then you leave yourself, think of your, your fats like longer chain fats, shorter chain fats, they all provide different nutritional value. Uh, three, thou shall get adequate omega-3 and be careful of the omega-6s. Just a big thing, like you call it the keto wall. Three months into keto, everyone's eating so much bacon and cheese and so much of this stuff that their omega-6 levels are s- slowly creeping up and then you hit that keto wall and three months in, the attrition rate is super high because your omega-6 profile is off and you start feeling like garbage. 4. Thou shalt still consider fiber and sugar alcohol sometimes. Okay, before you start throwing tomatoes at me, the reason that I say this is play it safe. I always count fiber as half a carb. That's just what I do. It's just safer. And the reason is, is there's some evidence that shows that fiber doesn't affect blood glucose, but there's also some evidence that it's, when it's broken down into, you know, uh, disaccharides and broken down in our gut, that it can actually turn into a sugar. So. Why, not, why don't we just play it safe right now? Because the research and the jury is still out. So I count, if I see one gram of fiber, I count it as a half a carb. I don't completely get rid of it. Uh, five, thou shall not rely on ketone levels all the time. Use them as a data point. Measure all the time and create a track record and measure consistently under the same circumstances so you know where your data points are. Uh, six, thou shall get adequate minerals in. Get your salt in. Get your magnesium in. And if you get your salt in, then your magnesium and your other minerals are going to be retained. So salt is the pinnacle of that. And it trickles down with the other minerals. Seven, thou shall not be afraid of protein. Okay. Protein is not going to kick you out of keto like we used to think. Gluconeogenesis is demand-driven, not supply-driven, which means that it's only going to turn that protein into a sugar if it's needed, not just because there's supply. So eat that protein if you want to. Eight, thou shalt be prepared. Bring protein shakes or nuts with you. That's a simple one. That's what I do. Macadamia nuts in my glove box all the time. Protein shakes in my glove box all the time. Because if I'm going to go into a dinner, I want to be able to consume that first so that I can be in control of what I eat. Nine, thou shalt evade the keto police. If you come out of keto, it's not going to end your life. And I just say that so that you the last thing you need to do is be stressed out. Okay? There are times and places where you can come out of keto. But it's not the end of the world. Uh, 10, thou shalt stick with it for at least eight weeks for fat adaptation. So, if those of you that are just getting started, just make a promise to yourself that you're gonna stick with it for at least eight weeks. That's it. Sorry.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Thomas DeLauer is so smart, isn't he? If you wanna watch this entire lecture, it was filmed at KetoCon 2019 and it's posted on Thomas DeLauer's YouTube channel. Make sure you are following. Thomas DeLauer on YouTube. I'm gonna put a link for this video in the description of this podcast. The title is Ketosis and Fasting Overview, Thomas DeLauer Live On Stage 2019 Keto Diet for Men Versus Women. It's about a 45 minute lecture and I gave you about 15 minutes from that lecture. So make sure you go check out Tom and go check out the KetoCon conference. KetoCon is doing a fantastic job at bringing the message of keto and fasting and the ancient healing strategies that we talk so much about on Keto Camp to the world. They're having a conference in Austin, Texas in 2020. I'm gonna put a link for you to go and get your ticket. So check out that link, go buy a ticket, I wanna see you there. It's going to be an amazing conference and shout out to the folks over at KetoCon for the awesome work you're doing getting the message out on true health. If you wanna learn more about keto, fasting, And all these health puzzle pieces, I want to help you put it together for results that stick. I want to offer you a seven-day trial, free seven-day trial of the Keto Camp Academy. It's an online program where you get 100-plus videos, a monthly coaching call with me. You're part of an exclusive Facebook group. You get over $600 worth in keto meal plans, recipes. You get all of my books. And so much more. Head over to ketocampacademy.com and get registered for a free seven day trial. You're gonna love the Keto Camp Academy. We have so much fun over there. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode through. If you love this episode, share it on your Instagram profile, Instagram story, and give me a tag tag me at the benazati. that is t-h-e-b-e-n-a-z-a-d-i i'll see the tag i'll upload it on my story and we'll get some other keto campers following you back use the hashtag keto camp or keto camper and i'll be sure to check that out thank you again for listening to this entire episode you'll hear me on the next one